0: The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.
1: Welcome to Conscious Evolution Radio with your host, Anne Gelsheimer. We are entering higher levels of consciousness with both old and new spiritual technologies to help us be the people we've always dreamed of being. We can make the choice to evolve in consciousness and become the change the world needs today. Now, here is Anne Gelsheimer.
2: Hello, this is your host, Anne Gelsheimer, and welcome to Conscious Evolution Radio. I'm so pleased and honored to have the Honourable Paul Hellyer as my guest today. As the former Minister of National Defence, Paul Hellyer is one of Canada's best-known and controversial politicians. Although he's best known for the unification of the Canadian Armed Forces and for his 1968 chairmanship of the Task Force on Housing and Urban Development, he has maintained a lifelong interest in macroeconomics. He has enjoyed a multifaceted career, including serving as a journalist, political commentator and author, and he has a rare perspective on what has gone wrong with world economics. In recent years, Paul Hellyer has become interested in the documented presence of extraterrestrials and their superior technology that has now been appropriated by secret projects through the back engineering of crashed ET vehicles since at least the 1940s. In September 2005, Paul Hellyer became the first person of cabinet rank in the G8 group of countries to state unequivocally that UFOs are as real as the airplanes flying overhead. In his most recent book, The Money Mafia, A World in Crisis, Paul Hellyer analyzes what he believes has gone wrong with the world and its economy and suggests radical measures to introduce a universal culture of peace and cooperation. These radical measures include pulling the lid off of more than 65 years of government cover-ups regarding the presence of extraterrestrial visitors and their advanced technology. If made available, the ET technology that has been acquired already would quickly replace our existing dependence on fossil fuels allowing us access to energy that is green and plentiful for all human beings. Paul, I want to warmly welcome you to the program and to tell you how much I respect your moral courage in speaking up about issues and information that are still viewed with skepticism by people who haven't taken the time to study the evidence. So welcome so much.
3: Well, it's a pleasure to be with you this afternoon and uh, thank you for calling.
2: Thank you. So I wonder if we could go back back in time to that historic moment in 2005 when you spoke public, publicly about the reality of extraterrestrial visitation. What convinced you to make that public statement in 2005?
3: Well, it's a fairly long story, and I'll try to condense it. But sure. I, uh, at the time, was uh, not a believer or a, neither an unbelie- disbeliever because I didn't know But I had a um, friend—I shouldn't say a friend, an uh, acquaintance—in Ottawa, a young man by the name of uh, Pierre Junot, who kept sending me material on this subject, and he'd been doing that for a couple of years. And uh, I was very honest with him. I said, "You know, I don't have time to read it." He said, "That's okay. Maybe someday you'll uh, you'll have time." And um, in the meantime, he asked me to watch a special ABC uh, program from the U.S. that Peter, the late Peter Jennings had put together. And I did. And it it occurred to me, I said, why would all of these former pilots and Air Force pilots and air traffic controllers and policemen say that they had seen UFOs if they hadn't? Why would they, why would they lie about it? Uh, What was in it for them? And the answer really was no, I didn't think they would lie at all if they were, they were my opinion, telling the truth. But this still um, was just more information in my mind uh, as a background. But Pierre sent me a book um, called The Day After Roswell. And I um, said to myself when I got it, well, that would be an interesting read for my holiday some summer. So the next summer I looked at it for it and couldn't find it. And I read The Life of Pi uh, instead, which was very amusing. And I (laughs) must admit, I didn't know until it was nearly over whether it was uh, truth or fiction. Right. But the following year, I was looking for another book and couldn't find it, and there, staring me in the face was uh, was The uh, Day After Roswell by the late um, Colonel Philip Corso, former United States Army Intelligence Officer. So I said, well, that'll do t- just fine. So I took it with me to our little um, a place in Muskoka. The, my late wife and I had run a little... Tourist resort there for about 45 years. And um, so um, I was sitting in the lawn reading it, and my nephew uh, Philip came along and said, What are you reading? And I told him, and he said, Well, I'm a skeptic. I said, Well, that's okay. Uh, You're allowed to be a skeptic. And uh, he went home, and two days later he phoned me and said, "Um, I told the general what you were reading, and he uh, said every word was true and more. Where can I get a copy of the book? Wow. I told him. And in the meantime, and it was uh, one of those things that appears like a coincidence, but sometimes I wonder if it's, uh, if it's not really predestined uh, in a very definite way. Um, I had been invited to speak at the Convocation Hall in, uh, in Toronto, by Mike Byrd and Victor Vigiani, two u- ufologists from the Toronto area. <clears throat> I had absolutely no intention of going because I'm not a ufologist. I wasn't then. and I'm still not. But um, the issues that were raised in the book were so important. And yes. I was convinced that it was true because um, I recognized the names of the generals and the air bases and so on that, uh, that Colonel Corso uh, had mentioned in the course of the book. And so uh, with that, um, coming to the conclusion that the issues were issues that the U.S. public and the world should know about and discuss and, and uh, debate, I decided that maybe I should. Uh, I had a responsibility to go public. But well, before doing so, I phoned the general because I asked uh, Philip uh, to give him a heads up and uh, get his number for me. And I had met him at a at an air show a year or two before. And so I phoned him, and before I could even say, how are you, or how is the weather there, he said, every word is true and more. Wow. And he went on for 20 minutes to tell me about the more, uh, which included the fact that uh United States officials had had uh, face-to-face meetings with, uh, with visitors from other star systems. And so with that assurance, I decided uh, I'm going to have to do this. I'm going to have to bite the bullet and uh, be the one that, uh, that tells the truth, that these flying objects are real and that they come from other planets or star systems and that they are uh, just as real as the airplanes flying over their head, which, which they are. It I, just sort of opened up a dam of information, as you might guess, because then information started coming in from all over the world, documents uh, for me to read and books. I don't know how many books, and I read every single one of them, I think. And then I was briefed by some of the best ufologists uh, in the United States. Uh, uh, Dr. Greer was one of the first, gave me a three-hour mo- three briefing at the uh, Toronto waterfront when he was here. And then it just uh, kept going with... Uh, Paula Harris, and Linda Moulton Howe, and uh, one uh, you us after another over the years.
2: Now, I remember, I think it was in your your book, because um, I was reading last, yesterday, <laughs> I, I, I had a bit of a cold, so I've been studying the book. It was a really great way to spend the time, because it's a fascinating book, uh, The Money Mafia, and in it you talk about Wilbur Smith, the Canadian scientist, and the memo that he wrote. Would you tell me, tell us about that?
3: Yes, Wilbert Smith, and I had to admit that I didn't know about him when uh, I was first asked, was uh, one of the first uh, officials in Canada to be interested in the subject and to write about it and talk about it. And uh, he found out about it when he was in Washington and uh, he got a couple of books down there that he read and then also he checked with the... uh, officials in our embassy and their contacts in the uh, State Department and the, and the Pentagon, and uh, came back and wrote a memo to his superior in the Department of, uh, of Transport, which incidentally I later became a minister of years later. Right. And uh, it was a top-secret memo, and it, it described that, uh, that uh, flying saucers were real. And that uh, the method of propulsion was unknown, that the United States government took the matter very, very seriously, more seriously than one would have uh, imagined. And that uh, the, uh, the security classification was the highest in the U.S., higher even than the H-bomb. And all of this he wrote in a top secret memo, uh, you know, in the 1950s. So he goes away back, and then he started uh, some experiments, I think, and uh, they had a little place at, at uh, Shirley's Bay uh, that was loaned to them by the Defense Research Department, and uh, they uh, were working actively on it for quite a while, and then, according to him, after a while, the press were such a nuisance that they just uh, went underground and told the press that they were no longer interested in... But that was just a ruse to get the press off their back. And uh, Smith wrote some very, very interesting things. And I just got some new ones from a Canadian ufologist uh, well, about a month ago. Oh, really? And I, I haven't really had chance to uh, read them and absorb them yet. But he was well ahead of his day. And allegedly he made contact with uh, beings from uh, somewhere. And uh, he got a lot of information from them that was interesting, and he came to the conclusion that they could help us transform our planet into a, you know, a nirvana, a near utopia, if we would just learn from them, and uh, and take their advice and so on. Unfortunately, we seem to have go- gone a different direction than the, the one he was hoping for, but um, it was an early case of uh, a Canadian involvement. And uh, since it went underground, it's uh, pretty well stayed underground ever since.
2: That's fascinating. And that you got new information. Maybe you'll come back on the show and share that when you've had a chance to go over it.
3: Absorbed it fully.
2: Yeah, that's fascinating. So... One of the hardest things, of course, for people to understand is, is how uh, this kind of news could have been covered up and why. Would you, I know it's a, your whole book goes into explaining all the things behind it, but could you explain for the average skeptical person how and why the presence of ETs has been covered up?
3: Well, it's been covered up from uh, from July 1947, right on through, and there were two crashes at um, Roswell, and that, they weren't the first ones, of course, but they were the, sort of the the starting point for interest in, uh, in this matter with a lot of people. And one of the vehicles was retrieved, and uh, when it was picked up by the United States Army Air Force, they issued a press release to the effect that they had recovered a flying saucer, <clears throat> and that was uh, reported in the local press in the uh, their time zone, but knocked in the eastern press, the mainline press. And later that same day, uh, Brigadier General Roger Ramey, who was the, uh, the boss man for the area and for the, uh, the area in which the, uh, the crash had been retrieved, put on a new press release in which he said, no, it wasn't a flying saucer. It was uh, uh, a balloon used for uh, measuring uh, weather one way or another right and uh, that it was uh, held aloft by some strange mechanism that they had to keep it up there and the eastern press the New York Times and the and the uh, Washington Post and so on they took this hook line and sinker mm-hmm. and uh, said this in effect was the reality this was the, the True goods, and that was the beginning I would say the foundation of the whole uh, the whole culture of a lying and b misinforming and c disinforming, which has gone on all the time since for sixty eight years right down to the present and is still the United States official policy and uh, Consequently, they have, uh, they have gone to great lengths and they have spent billions of dollars just muddling the truth. I got a letter from somebody in Winnipeg the other day. There had been a huge article um, by, with a story about a United States official who was um, in charge of, of trying to get uh, radio messages from distant planets. And he was estimating how many uh, planets there were out there. And he had a very high estimate, uh, probably not as high as it really is, because uh, there are are not just thousands, but millions of planets in the universe. And and, uh, most of them have planets like ours, if you really got down to it. And uh, so he had a high uh, number for that. But then he gave the distinct impression in this whole article that they were still waiting to hear, that they hadn't discovered anything. And this is pure disinformation because right. he would certainly know, and if he didn't, he should know, that he all he had to do was to go to Area 51 and and gain access if he could and, uh, and talk to them. And then know that they had been working with the United States government in one form or another uh, ever since, I guess, or... I would say, ever since the first crash in 1947. So uh, they go to great lengths, and there was a uh, citizen's disclosure hearing in Washington in May uh, 2013, at which I participated. There was a United States retired Air Force colonel there, and uh, his testimony was very short and succinct. His whole job was when there was a report of a UFO sighting, to issue a press release saying that it was something else. And the favorite something else he had was swamp gas. Right. Sometimes it was plasma, sometimes it was swamp gas, sometimes he would say it was Venus or something like that, but it was never the truth. And his favorite, uh, as he told us, was swamp gas. This was what he's paid for for his whole career. And so, you know, th- that's, that's not just lying, that's misinforming the public, in a way where they say, well, it's it's got to be true because the government says it's true, and uh, not believing that it's it's got not to be true because the government doesn't tell the truth in these areas, which is a sad, sad commentary on, uh, on a government like the United States, and especially after the end of the Cold War. You know, before that, you can make a little bit of a case for maybe not telling the whole truth because... Perhaps you're only ninety-eight percent sure what the Russians were doing, or the, how far advanced they were, or the Chinese, or somebody else. <clears throat> but uh, since the Cold War, the U.S. had no real enemies uh-huh. of any you know any degree that was uh, was a threat to them, there's just been no excuse whatsoever for keeping all of this stuff hushed up. Uh, except the reason they wanted hushed up is because it's part of their plan to to introduce what I call a new world order which is in effect a totalitarian government for most or all of the world so, Paul, this
2: so we're going to go we're going to take a break but we're going to come back and uh, jump right back into that enormous topic so this is Anne Gelsheimer on Conscious Evolution Radio and we will be back in a moment
0: This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel.
1: It's a new year and a new you emerging. Join Dr. Judith Long on the Eye of the Needle show each Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Dr. Long features your call ins and emails to her that emphasize healing and new information about personal transformation and ascension. You have your own unique gift. And it's something that only you can do in your own particular way. Explore that gift. Be all that you can be. The Eye of the Needle with Dr. Judith Long airs live Wednesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave. Could you be the next
3: legendary leader? That question hinges on your courage and willingness to change. Join Maria Danley every week for Legendary Leaders, Answering the Higher Calling be inspired by stories and legend and listen to legendary guests along with live channeling to help you answer your higher calling and become the legendary leader you are destined to be the world is waiting for you step up and join the wave tune in every tuesday at 1 p.m pacific time 4 p.m eastern time on the voice america 7th wave channel be
0: visionary be extraordinary be the change. This is the Seventh Wave Channel on the Voice America Network.
1: You are tuned in to Conscious Evolution Radio, and we love to hear from you. Please send any questions or comments about the show via email to Conscious Evolution Radio at gmail.com. Again, that's Conscious Evolution Radio at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's program.
2: Hello, this is Anne Gelsheimer, and welcome back to Conscious Evolution Radio. My guest today is the Honorable Paul Hellyer, and we were just about to uh, listen to uh, Paul's insight into the cabal or the shadow government. Paul, would you tell us about that?
3: Yes, it's a little bit difficult to describe because um, it started uh, almost immediately after the war um, with Operation Paperclip, which most people haven't heard of. But the United States government brought uh, quite a few Nazi scientists over after the war and gave them new names and new uh, uh, papers to establish new identities and then put them in fairly important jobs in the government and in the uh, armed forces so that um, they, they were, A, familiar with the extraterrestrial presence because they had been working with uh, ETs in Germany during the 30s and during the war. <clears throat> and then, B, they were <clears throat> very, um, well, they were aware of, um, of flying objects, flying saucers, and so they were, I think, uh, very much interested in being part of the uh, the campaign to back engineer them. When uh, when the uh, MJ12, as it was called, the inner circle in charge of this ET file, was established, and uh, so they they were the ones I think who encouraged the United States armed forces, or some of them, to go underground in uh, in. Nevada and uh, Arizona, and to back engineer the uh, the flying machine and its weaponry and uh, all of the new inventions that were included in it at least new to us they weren't new to the uh, to the extraterrestrials who, as we say were light years ahead of us in technology at that time so um what they were doing out there was working in back engineering and they were so secretive even then that the President of the United States, General Eisenhower, <clears throat> was not allowed to know what was going on. So he actually threatened to send in the First Army and uh, as a result they relented to the extent that they allowed three people of his choice to go and take a look, which they did. And they, uh, I think, they took a look at Area 51 and uh, Area S4, and they reported back to the general that yes, in fact, they were uh, re-engineering, back-engineering the, uh, the vehicle that crashed at Roswell. <clears throat> so I would say since then, no president of the United States uh, and no Congress has really been in control of the United States. And increasingly, this rogue group—or whatever you want to call them, I mm-hmm. call shadow government or alternate government—at the present time, and I call them cabal because it's really a larger organization than just uh, just a military hunt of a sort—has um, taken over the real governance of the United States and much of the world, and its apex. Is the, uh, is the banking cartel. This didn't happen right away, but this uh, this is the way it's evolved over these, uh, these years. The apex is the banking cartel and their monopoly, monopoly, mm-hmm. to create money. Now, how they got a monopoly to create money is something that most people have no idea about it. And it should never have happened. But if you want to know why there's a lot of unemployment in the world, it's because these... Private people, private bankers, have a monopoly to create money, and they create it all as debt. Hmm. And no one creates any money to pay the interest on that debt, so the only way you can get more money is to borrow more from them and go deeper and deeper into debt. As a matter of fact, it's a t- it's a terrible ripoff, and there isn't probably more than one or two people in a hundred would be listening today that understand how the system works, which, of course, is one uh, reason for getting a copy of uh, the Money Mafia. The bankers can invest $5 million, and under the law, they can uh, leverage that up to $100 million in loans. And it's not real money. It's just credit. It's just bank, bank accounts. Right. And so for five million dollars of what I call blood, sweat, and tears money, they can make a hundred million dollars in loans and collect back a hundred million dollars in blood, sweat, and tears money plus interest. So is it any wonder we have this massive unemployment and are cutting back on, on health care and cutting back on a lot of other things that we should be going forward on? when there's no way to get any more money except by raising taxes, which are already too high, or borrowing more. Well, it's just absolutely crazy. So that's the apex of the cabal, and I have a remedy to it uh, in the book. It's, it's part of the action plan that I have set out there. Mm-hmm. And then next to them, of course, the, the oil cartel. And uh, they love being able to cash in their chips on the, uh, on the huge trillions of dollars worth of oil assets that they have worldwide. And they don't want the cabal, which has the ownership of the patents on exotic energy, namely the most important one is zero-point energy, which is the energy we have all over the cosmos. And so why would they? Because they can uh, make all this money just by going on with, with what, they're, uh, what they're doing, which is what they want to do. So, um, then the third sort of echelon are the transnational corporations, the big ones. Okay. And some of them are uh, are very, very, uh, uh, well, hard to get along with. One I mentioned in the book in particular is Monsanto, which has a bad reputation and justifiably so. Oh, yes. And then, of course, the intelligence agencies, the... um, uh, CIA, I guess, at the top of the list, and they have—they do things which are, are very highly questionable, and that is a gross understatement. It's a—it's yes. the understatement of the day. And then the FBI is involved, and the NSA, and the NSA is snooping on everybody in the world. <laughs> and uh, you say why? Well, we come we back to that in a second. And then. a a huge slice of the United States' armed forces. And they're the cabal. And they are, in effect, the real government of the United States. And they affect how other governments work because they affect whether money is available to other governments to expand or whether they have to contract or tread water and consequently uh, uh, create this uh, sort of atmosphere of hopelessness where there's so much unemployment, especially in some of the European com- countries like uh, like Greece and, uh, and Spain, right? And so they their plan is to to take over the world, and even if that means a third world war, and even if it means the use of atomic weapons, which no one in their right mind, no one but a psychopath would even think about that. So uh, they have plans and they have not renounced the use of first strike, which is, in other words, of striking out at their alleged enemies, or at least the people they want to conquer, Mm -hmm. and uh, and reducing their capacity to the point where they would be helpless. And uh, so this is is sort of the cabal, and this is the reason... uh, that some of us are so concerned when we know that even before World War II was over, the Council on Foreign Relations, which I describe as one of the three sisters in the, uh, in the book, the three sisters being the Council on Foreign Relations, which is the oldest one, then the Bilderbergers, who were the most secretive, and then finally the Trilateral Commission, that even they, the Council on Foreign Relations, were planning a new empire, before World War II was over because they knew the Germans were going to lose. And they wanted to be prepared to take over all the territory that Hitler was planning to take over, plus a lot more, a much, much bigger empire. And I think over the, over the intervening decades that they've expanded that to probably uh, take in most, if not all, of the whole world.
2: And you, you mentioned in the book, too, it's the same term that was used in Nazi Germany, the New World Order.
3: Exactly. And why they, would, why they would choose that, I do not know, because it has a very bad reputation. And unfortunately, some of the same things that the Germans were doing with their doctors, the genetic uh, experiments and that sort of thing that were being performed in Nazi Germany have been performed in the United States in the last few years. By the extraterrestrials and certain elements of the United States government. So, Paul. It. So, Paul.
2: I know there's like a ton of information out there. How do you sift and sort to know what is disinformation and what is uh, legitimate? Like that information is is very shocking for many of us who are making contact with ETs on a regular basis and experience peaceful contact. How do you determine what what you can trust?
3: Well, it's it's a uh, a bit of a skill. You have to learn to uh, be able to separate the uh, the wheat from the chaff. Of course, being a, g- a good farm boy, <laughs> that was a <laughs> good analogy. yes. <laughs> a good start, yeah. You know. and, um, and so much information crosses my desk. Um, I've learned to know what I can trust and what I can't pretty well. I got an email today, for example, uh, debunking something I had said about 9-11, just one aspect of it. And I know that it's misinformation that I got. I could I could sense it was misinformation mm-hmm. because I know the sources of the information that I used and they, in my opinion, are more reliable. This that I received today was what I call the party line. Right. And it's there all the time trying to confuse people who are doing... Uh, the sort of job that I'm doing, which is sifting out the the truth from uh, from the lies of the disinformation, and uh, and trying to make it public, even though it's very very difficult, when the mainline press are all controlled by the cabal.
2: So we know that um, there have been some very key people, including Wilbur Smith, but others like Clifford Stone, Bob Dean. Um, you know the rama group uh, the dr greer's group who've had very positive experiences with ets can you speak specifically what convinced you that there were uh, uh, malevolent ets perhaps a small majority but or small small number of them but what convinced you that 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 well, was actually going on
3: on that point i've never said that there was uh malevolent but, okay but i think there is okay that's my conclusion without having hard evidence to support it. And certainly, if you take verbatim uh, eyewitness reports of the experiments that were going on in certain underground bases, well, Duchi, for example,
0: mm-hmm.
3: and, uh, and the things that were going on there, they were so awful that one can only conclude that no one with any principles the kind of principles that we endorse would be involved in that sort of thing right and so and it's, all, it's always been rumored you probably have heard this too that when presidents get their very superficial briefings mm-hmm. on this subject because they're not told much of what's going on right um, when they get their superficial briefing that they're told that most of the uh, of the species, the numbers keep growing all the time, are benign, but there's one that isn't. Now, they've never named that one, and so it's just a matter of speculation. But I think think there must be one, because you look at the things that are being done, and the plans that are being made, and the forces that are doing the planning, and you can only come to the conclusion that there is malevolence there, that there's that there's a plan which is not in the interests of the given species. Now you have, som- to, you have to take that into account.
2: Now sometimes I wonder too if that isn't uh, all sort of created in support of uh, Werner von Braun's uh, theory that one of the final false flag attacks would be uh, to do with aliens. And is some of this disinformation to support that? So, you know, if they do declare a false flag attack by aliens that were sufficiently frightened, what do you think of that idea?
3: Well, I think that it is part of their plan. I think Dr. Greer had that figured out long before anybody else did. Um, that uh, Bernd von Braun was correct in saying that first it would be the communists, and then it would be the, the terrorists. and oh, Look at the trouble they've gone through to create the war with the terrorists, and then uh, finally that it would be the ETs when they ran out of terrorists, or if they did, couldn't uh, re, couldn't rekindle the uh, Cold War. So uh, yeah, it's 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 there's propaganda. Um, when it's useful for the military-industrial complex to try and frighten people into saying, yes, there's there are some bad actors here, mm-hmm. um, without giving us any hint that maybe they're the ones that are working with the bad actors, and that we should beware of anything that they're saying to us, period. Uh, and so what I'm suggesting is if there is a false... Flag uh, flyover of uh, of uh, flying saucers, a- alleged flying saucers. <laughs> yeah, to to assume that they're uh, that they're uh, American, right? Or most of them are, and just wave and say hi and go about your business. If you're planting flowers, well, I keep on planting them or whatever you're doing. So this is just one more reason for disclosure, so that people have a better idea. Of what's going on, and uh, and can find out that maybe they've been uh, totally misled, and that they have to smarten up very quickly, or they're going to be in real trouble.
2: So we're going to pause right there uh, just to take a, a quick break, and when we come back, I'd love to talk more about disclosure because you did have some uh, important points in your book about how that might go forward. So this is Ann Gelsheimer with Conscious Evolution Radio, and we will be right back.
0: The 7th Wave Channel on The Voice America Network.
1: Are you just getting started on the path to metaphysical healing of yourself? Would you like to have some fun as you find out more? Join Julia Stubbe each week as she guides you through the Energetic Toy Box. This show will gift you the basic foundation and tools as you discover your spiritual path on a deeper level, encouraging the exploration of many facets and concepts such as chakras, healing, meditation, crystals, and more so that you can use these in your daily life. The Energetic Toy Box is here for you every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific on 7th Wave. We all want peace. Heard live every Wednesday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time, on the 7th Wave Network.
0: Invite meaning and inspiration to your life. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel.
1: You are tuned in to Conscious Evolution Radio. And we love to hear from you. Please send any questions or comments about the show via email to Conscious Evolution Radio at gmail.com. Again, that's Conscious Evolution Radio at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's program.
2: Hello, this is Ann Gelsheimer and welcome back to Conscious Evolution Radio. My guest today is the Honorable Paul Hellier. And we have been talking about the ET presence. We've been talking about the shadow government or the cabal. And I'd like to jump right back into the why it's so important that disclosure occurs and how it could occur.
3: I don't know how it's going to occur uh, because after 68 years and not occurring, um, you don't hold your breath. But I do think there are more people who are coming out. And that's probably a function of age. Because um, if people are about to die, the, their oath isn't as important to them right. as it was before. And at the uh, citizens' hearing in, uh, in Washington a uh, year ago, May, um, there was a person who was one of General Eisenhower's scouts who uh, made, a con- in effect, a deathbed con- uh, confession, and I think there will be more of those, but I think there's more. I think there are more programs now. I think programs like yours and others that I've been on are getting more listeners, and that the word is spreading that there is something happening out there. And of course, uh, there are other jurisdictions that are putting out a little bit of information, uh, just a little. Bit of what is really going on, and these are all encouraging, so I don't know, I just have the feeling that maybe um, there's a little more movement in the direction of disclosure than there has been at official levels, and um, there was a, a meeting that NASA held with the people saying that preparing, trying to prepare the public for the day when they might find that there was extraterrestrial life. Well, NASA's amongst the biggest liars, of course, because they know exactly what's going on. Right, and the fact that they would they would frame it that way is disinformation. But at the same time, it was moving in the direction of well, we want to be ready when we find out what's going on, uh, or and we're trying to condition you to um, to be prepared when the, the day comes when you find out that there is, in fact, extraterrestrial life and that it's been uh, visiting uh, Earth for thousands of years. This is not a new phenomenon. It's more important now, especially when uh, we have atomic weapons that they're afraid we're going to use to blow ourselves up with. Um, but uh, it's not a new phenomenon. So um, it's, it's one. it's difficult to be hopeful, When they have been so successful for so long. On the other hand, I think there are a few things happening, which just give me a little bit of encouragement uh, that uh, maybe we're on the threshold of getting more information out than we've had before. And at some point, it's going to reach critical mass, and then it's going to happen.
2: Now, in your book, you talked about how it would be helpful to have a general amnesty for anyone who'd been involved in the cover-up to make it possible for them to come forward.
3: Yeah, I think this is essential. Um, They have broken just about every rule in the book. Right. And they have done some things that are criminal offenses of the first order. Um, And um, so naturally, A, they don't want to go to jail for breaking their oath. And B, they don't want to go to jail and spend the rest of their lives in jail for having committed com- crimes that would be crimes under the uh, under their, their criminal code. So um, this, this idea wasn't mine originally. It came uh, from the extraterrestrials themselves to Jim Sparks. And Jim Sparks, uh, in his book, uh, told the verbatim, the conversation he had with the uh, extraterrestrials, and um, so he gave me permission to put it in my f- first book on this subject, Light at the End of the Tunnel, which was uh, published about five years ago. Right. And then I copied it into, uh, into the Money Mafia as well. <clears throat> so, a little bit of hope, um, a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel, but we've got to speed it up. And what I have been proposing, and, and will continue to propose is that we try to find 5 million Americans who are honest, sincere, decent people who want to save their country, who want to recapture their country from the cabal and reestablish the Constitution. So in other words, to take it back from the people who have been running it for the last uh, umpteen years. And if we could get five million people to get a copy of my book and to read it carefully and then subscribe to the action plan, which is pretty comprehensive, involves a lot of things that have to be done and have to be done very, very quickly, including full disclosure. And then every single one of them wrote an individual letter to the president and to their senator and to their Congressperson, and ask them to get on board and provide political pressure on the President, on the, the uh, Senate, and on the uh, House uh, to uh, to take action before it's too late,
2: mm-hmm.
3: that something eventually might happen. And I said it has to happen right away. We're not talking about years We're talking about months, because President Obama is the only person in the world who could Pull it off. Love him or hate him, it doesn't matter. He has the power to create enough money to get the United States up and running. He has the power to make public the secret patents on energy that are required to provide independence for, uh, for countries all around the world and to, and to provide billions of new jobs. And he has the power to do a lot of these things, but he can't do it alone because that would be too dangerous. He has to have some friends on both sides of the house because it's we're not talking about partisan politics here. We're not talking about one party over another party. Right. We're talking about the survival of the United States of America and perhaps of the human species. It is just that serious <clears throat> because if they were to go ahead with this, uh, Plan that they have, and take it to its ultimate, before they stop. Why they could bring on a nuclear war that would mean uh, would mean the end of the habitability of the planet as we now know it. So that's just how serious it is. <clears throat> and uh, don't worry about the, the royalties I would get if that happened, because I should have taken time to explain that. Uh, my business is not selling books. So if by chance we could pull this off, that I will turn over at least 80% of the royalties tax after tax to uh, charitable uh, organizations, which is my won't. I do that all the time. Right. Uh, I'm not in this to get make money. I'm not in the business of selling books for a living but I do want something to happen that's good for the people, the decent people who are trying to build the kind of world which we all want to see, where everybody has a chance, where they have all the little kids have uh, portable water to drink and enough food to eat, and a shirt on his or her back and, and a roof over his or her head, and a little basic education, and uh, to find out what their potential is, and a little. Uh, health care so that they can last long enough to, uh, to make a contribution. Well, it's their guess, human
2: rights, yes.
3: Absolutely. And this is what should be happening. And this is the way really to overcome a lot of what's going on at the present time because you can't, you can't kill ideology. And ISIS, as terrible as it is, is an ideology. And a lot of the young people that are being attracted in Canada the United States are idealists they think they're doing something important, they don't realize just how awful it really is, a lot of them, and you can't end that by killing them. It doesn't work. It just makes them into into uh, martyrs, into heroes. So you have to have a better idea, and the better idea is to build the kind of work where everybody would have a chance, where everybody would have a little security and, and the possibility of life. And... Uh, Believe me, that's the that you have to have a better mouse trap if you want to attract people, mm-hmm. and there is one, but we've got to promote it and get it out there and say this is what you should be doing. And the Sunnis and Shias shouldn't be fighting; they should have a peace pact. They get the United Nations to bring them all together, but the uh, both the uh, secular and the and the religious leaders, and try to accomplish what. Uh, Catholics and Protestants went through when they finally stopped uh, killing each other wholesale and uh, are trying, uh, in most cases, to work you know, very cooperatively and and building the kind of kingdom that I was just talking about.
2: Now, Paul, I I have heard that the president really doesn't have control over uh, even accessing the information uh, in the secret projects. Um, So how how would that fit with uh, the letter-writing campaign and the political pressure? How do you see that getting resolved?
3: He he has to, he, he could demand it if he had the support of enough uh, Congress people and American people, okay, to give him the authority, the moral authority to say, look, enough of this secrecy, enough of this clandestine uh, living, underground living, and uh, it's time for for Americans to reclaim their country and to reestablish the. Uh, The Constitution is the law of the land, which it hasn't been for a long while. They've just been, you know, ignoring it totally.
2: Oh, it's been undermined so so severely. So... We're coming up to the end of the program. We've got about three minutes left. Um, I want to ask you uh, one or two very quick questions, and I want to hear about uh, the the various conferences you're presenting at before we sign off for today. So just a quick question: um, Do you worry about your safety? You're talking about some very important things that some people probably don't want you talking about
3: well, I'm, frankly, I'm too busy to worry about it. <laughs> good for you. <laughs> I will be honest and say that uh, if I were 40 years old and had young children, I might be less uh, willing to write the book like the one I've just written. Um, I think it would be pretty dangerous. And, uh, you know, at my age, um, as you know, I'm uh, getting on. And I'm 91 years old, and the, the worst they can do is kill me. And hmm. I've had a good life, and so this doesn't really cause me that much concern. And besides at this stage, if, if it happens soon, you'd know uh, who did it, and that wouldn't help your re- reputation any. Uh, so uh, I, I really don't spend a lot of time worrying about that. I just spend all of my time trying to get the word out as, what, as to what has to be done in order to reclaim the United States of America for Americans. That's what I'm talking for decent, honest, law-abiding Americans. That's what I'm talking about. And this will spill over into the whole world because they will stop uh, starting new wars and uh, bring home their troops from getting mixed up in the Middle East where they shouldn't. Uh, shouldn't be. And uh, and start building, start building the, the the kingdom, as it were, and and. I've proposed a seven-year effort to switch entirely every truck, car, ship, uh, tractor, and house in the world from oil to clean energy. Can be done, because it's just what we did in World War II, but the other way around. Then we changed all the factories from uh, cars and uh, refrigerators to munitions. Now we just do the opposite change all the munitions factories from uh, building armaments and trying to find places to use them to uh, providing clean energy boxes, just little boxes that would run a house or a car or a tractor or an airplane. Uh, so, uh, Pop.
2: just have a minute left Um, I'm so sad because there's so much we didn't get to in your book I hope you would consider coming back because it's been a fascinating interview and I'm so appreciative of you taking the time and and I feel how heartfelt your desire is to make a difference with your writing and with your appeal so thank you so much
3: it's my pleasure
2: and I'll put on uh, your website, we're going to have a guest website for you, I'll put on uh, information about the four conferences you're doing in April, because uh, Paul's appearing in Montreal, Toronto, Calgary, and Vancouver. So again, thank you so much, and this is Anne Gelsheimer, you've been listening to Conscious Evolution Radio, thank you for listening.
1: Thank you again for tuning in to Conscious Evolution Radio please join Anne Gelsheimer for another great show next Friday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave channel. We hope to see you next week.
0: Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the 7th Wave Network.